0: Hello, friends, and welcome to My Money Talks, the podcast hosted by me, Deepakar Khemani, which talks about money, how to become a better investor by staying informed about what's happening in the markets, what to do, what especially not to do. Today, we have a very special guest on our episode, Mr. Swaroop Mohanti, CEO of Mire Asset Mutual Fund. He is one of the most young and dynamic persons around. He talks from his heart, very open, honest to the core, ready to discuss anything. Many a times he and me have discussions on Twitter. We disagree on so many things, but we all agree on one thing. We will agree to disagree. He immediately accepted my invite when I asked him to come to this. I'm sure this next 40 minutes, which you will listen will bring out a lot of things which you haven't understood about investing, how markets work, what is asset allocation, when is the right time to enter, why AMCs do what they do. I started by asking him what's going on in the debt fund space in the last few days. This is certainly unprecedented. We haven't ever seen something like this happen before. And this is how he started.
1: The word unprecedented has become pretty cliched, uh, but that is the reality. I mean, these are extremely abnormal times, and in abnormal times, uh, some very dramatic and abnormal things happen. So. Some of the things or the events that have happened in the past two, three days are some things which none of us had ever thought could happen. Uh, we knew on a theoretical basis that this is a possibility, but that, that we will see it in our working lives. I think, you know, some of the volatility and some of the events, on, especially on the dead side, which are unfolding, uh, clearly, you know, new, new things that are happening. So, yeah, uh, these are very, very unprecedented times.
0: So uh, what should an investor do? Should he be worried?
1: Yeah, I mean anybody who loses money sh- should be worried and that's a, you know, really uh, basic, uh, what can I say, uh, emotion that will come out and, and uh, you know, if the worry is uh, due to no reason, then uh, that one I will call irrational, but if it is with a reason, then one has to go deeper into it, right? Yeah. And then uh, sometimes, you know, some of the worries which come out due to things which are unprecedented make you worry more. So it is natural that one should worry. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, my only submission, and I'm, I'm no, I have no right to talk about somebody else's own hard-earned money, but I can only reflect from what has happened to me in the past. And, and I, as an investor, have gone through certain periods like this where I've lost up to, at times I've lost up to 80% of my own money of my investment. And then today in 2020, I'm standing a better investor because of what happened to me in those instances when my... 10,000 rupees was valued at 2,000 rupees. So one has to be a little rational at this point of time because worry is an emotion and you know, investment is emotionless. So, so uh, it's, it's, uh, people will obviously say he, he's saying this uh, without any emotions. No, I'm saying this after uh, going through a lot myself in my entire investing career uh, and, and in my mutual fund career. But it, it's, one has to be a little unemotional at this moment and look at the entire situation from a bird eye perspective and control the control levels and not get away with things which are not in your hands is my only submission.
0: Okay, thank you. Thank you, Swaroop, for that. But again, it's important for everybody who's listening to this that a CEO of a mutual fund is saying that he had an investment of 10,000 rupees which went down to 2,000 rupees and then it took time to recover. One can understand that if that is happening in an equity fund, because your mind is open as an investor that this equity fund is subject to market risks. As the old mutual fund ads used to say, please read all documents before investing because mutual fund investments are subject to market risks. However, when an investor is coming into a debt fund, he comes in with the view that this is a superior alternative to probably a savings bank account, an FD, and chances are, chances are that he will not only make some money better tax adjusted because of the tax advantages a mutual fund has but the money would normally be protected that is the understanding and that is also the way a lot of distributors sell or pitch these products to their investors what would you say to those investors today.
1: Yes, I think you know uh, I have and uh, you can catch me on this on if you read anywhere or whenever I've spoken. I have not been a big fan of investing due to tax advantages. Uh, uh, you know, one of the reasons I fought everywhere and, and one of the reasons I have resisted lodging arbitrage so far is because it, it's the investment is more from a tax advantage perspective than the need of the person. I'm just giving an example. I don't know how long I'll be able to fight this, but that's been an observation. The investment is made on a certain goal, right? And the underlying investment is then to cater to that uh, goal. The problem happens when the underlying sort of supersedes the goal, when you start looking for a fund before you ascertain the goal. That is where the mismatch happens. And and what what is happening right now is a clear understanding or misunderstanding or uh, not the right uh, interpretation of one's risk profile, whether it's at the investor end or at the distributor's end or we at fund's end in in being able to communicate the risk profile of the fund clearly. There is a huge mismatch and that is what is playing out at this moment. And and that's something which all of us have to reflect on very, very seriously if we have to continue this journey. Uh, and, and uh, take it forward. Just one point, sir, on this, I will have to take uh, some some cognizance of the fact that if I reflect on my journey as a mutual fund seller, uh, I think I could have done better in, uh, you know, talking about risks on both sides of the uh, asset classes, that is, debt and equity. Primarily, you know, and, and I am just making a generalized statement, typically because we have spoken about the risks of uh, equity for 20 years, now or maybe more than that, that the investor is aware of the risks that come with the equity side of the portfolio, and and uh, so that that's something which has come in completely in the forefront at this moment. That's a serious reflection all of us have to make at this moment. That's a reality. Yeah.
0: So uh, so I think this is a very uh, important thing for all of us to understand that. And investment wherever it is being made whether it be debt whether it be equity whether it be any asset class it should not only be because it is giving me a tax arbitrage it should be consistent with my goals and whether this investment will take me over there so this is a point which all of us need to understand coming to another point and we are still on this uh, debt fund uh, fiasco if i would call it uh, it's not across the industry it is just now thankfully isolated to one part of the schemes managed by one fund house, but shouldn't mutual funds and and all mutual funds together have some sort of a campaign or an understanding or something to tell investors that the risk. Which was being mentioned that mutual funds are subject to market risk applies equally to debt funds too. Somehow the last 20 years education has gone and people have now understood that equity is a risky asset class. But debt is also equally risky.
1: Yeah, I mean, Deepakshar, see, I don't think the debt funds didn't carry mutual funds, are not subject to market risk, they also carried. But when you look at this entire thing, and and see, let's reflect on one small reality, is that, uh, you know, when you look at the risk profiles of certain funds, and and the risk profiles are definitely higher than some other funds, but uh, when the going is good, we... Probably try not to reflect on that, but the risks when the surface, they hit us very hard. And then I think that, that's the learning from now on, yes. I think what you said is pretty pertinent. Going forward, we'll probably have to work harder on that side of, of uh, the business to reflect on the risk. Like I said, I mean, because we worked or all of us have worked on uh, the equity side, maybe the investor is today far more educated on the risk side or he comes in knowing the risks, uh, uh, but even today when I reflect on the market 30% downside would have shaken some people I I, I would uh, agree on that but uh, again this incident is a new uh, evolvement of the risk that we sort of uh, understood or did not understand right mm-hmm. so understanding risk I've always said that the risk itself is too large a word and, and I've spent uh, two and a half decades trying to understand that word and I'm still trying to understand it right and, and uh, it's an never ending subject and and, and, and it will only evolve but the unfortunate part of our jobs is you know we don't have this scope of you know researching too much into it because whenever it goes wrong it ends in the loss of a client and that's, that's a very sad thing to happen. That's the yeah. reality. Yeah, so this
0: has happened over market cycles and we've seen it mostly on the equity side every 7-8 years when the market starts moving up. A lot of investors join in the bad wagon and you know when the market falls invariably they buy high and sell low go away licking their wounds go into the safety of you know bank FDs and then come back later. This time they have seen it in their debt funds also. Again this is a question I've always wanted to ask you. Your fund house does not have a credit risk fund. Was it by design or was it pure luck?
1: If you read the, uh, uh, you know, interviews with Mr. Mahinja that Jaju Jadu has given and that, that's uh, learning from him and uh, the statement that credit risk is permanent and market risk is temporary, I learned this statement from him only. So it is by design that we don't have a credit risk fund, not that we don't take credits. We do take credits, but we don't prefer to be in that category. That's That's not our choice of business. Because, see, every business has a scope of doing some things, does not have a scope of doing some things. So very clearly, let me mention every business does not have a scope of doing some things and some things, when they come from a mirror asset stable, uh, will not be accepted to people. And we are very clear of what will not be accepted from our side. And and uh, some hiccups on, on certain things because they are by design of the product. Uh, um, will never be accepted from our side. Uh, That is one side. And the second side is if if we we as a fund house do not want to be in a certain uh, pocket, then we, we will never be in that pocket irrespective of how large that opportunity is. So by design, we do not want to be in that area at all.
0: Okay, So I think this is a good question. So you are clearly positioning yourself as a boutique offering that I am offering you these limited products. I am good at this and I want you to understand this before coming in. The counter argument to that is there are a lot of AMCs who have got their product basket which is full. So I will just compare this logic with say uh, a car manufacturer like Maruti. Maruti in its stable, has an 8 Alto, has a mid range car, has a salon car, has a big car, has a van, you know, they are saying my duty is to give you choices. I will give you a choice of products. You find out what is right for you. If you buy a race car from me and tomorrow an accident happens, you cannot blame the race car. It was designed to race. So finally, Mm. it's your choice. What would you say to that
1: argument? See, like I said, uh, every business has its own model, and and we prefer to be in in a business model where we'd like to do things which we'll are we play to our strengths, and and we'd like to do things which we think we are capable of doing, right? And and, uh, that makes more sense to us than, than being in categories where two things can happen. One, we don't believe in that category, we might be right, we might be wrong. Number two, we might not have strength in that category, right? So, if either of the two are there, then we would not venture into that category is our submission. So, uh, you know, you can term us as a boutique player or or any other term, but, uh, you know, that, that's how we stand in the market and this is not now, this is before the categorization. Before the categorization, when uh, it was a standard practice or a lot of funds had uh, multiple products within one category, we had said that we would be one fund per category and we would not be in all categories. So, this is something which we Get started and, and uh, we are continuing that because when you look at the overall penetration or where we stand as, as a mutual fund industry within each category even today the scope is so large that if you get your act right uh, uh, the journey is limitless and the journey is unending you know that's what can happen so we would prefer to be in areas where we are comfortable and we do believe that we will do a good job and then keep it as simple as that.
0: Okay, so again, uh, related question to that, is that a view yeah. of Mire Asset India or Mire Asset worldwide? Is this how Mire Asset operates across the world, internationally?
1: See, we are very fortunate that our, uh, the leader of our group is a fund manager. Mr. Hyunju Park is, is a very renowned fund manager in, in, in Korea and he is the one who is in South Korea and he is the one who started the mutual fund industry in South Korea. So, a lot of the thought process that come to us come from uh, him, especially on fund management. And then there is no clear directive on this, but the clear directive is, uh, you know, do what you can do. And, and, uh, and that's, that's where this is sort of platformed at. But uh, yeah, this is, uh, when you look at this in perspective, the beauty of Miriasset is we are allowed to develop our own business models across the world uh, and, and we are very local in India. Uh, and and uh, this this is by design from the India business. Uh, as long as we keep fund management intact, that is the directive. And, and he is uh, and, and some of the directives on fund manager uh, fund management is very clear from him the dos and don'ts. Uh, but the product basket is left to us.
0: Okay, so good. So now there is clearly an understanding that finally you will work to your strengths. Correct. That is right. Correct. Yes. Okay. So again, a logical question coming on the equity side. So we know clearly that Mirai Asset amongst its limited schemes in their offerings have positioned themselves that this is how I manage my active funds. I have a fund manager who does this, this, this. And over a period because of the process and our stock picking skills, our funds have been able to generate alpha and have outperformed their benchmarks. If I take that on one side and now we are now giving offerings on the ETF or the index fund side, correct, Yeah. where do you stand in that should a fund house be offering both index funds slash passive strategies and also an active strategy and then leaving it to the investor or the advisor to take that offering to his or her customer.
1: again, in the passive side, when we start this, clearly they are different businesses. Uh, You know, please understand, I I was uh, two, three years ago, if you catch me, I would be the proponent of saying that an active uh, business is this, and I used to have my views on active business. But in the last two, three years, the realization is, there is a lot of active thinking in passive business. It's not as mundane as we think, and it's a far deeper business than that. So, hence, again, when we see the passive business unfolding in India, you will see the kind of thought that goes into building a passive business. There also, hopefully one day you will ask me, Saroop, you don't have all the offerings, (laughs) right? Uh, But, uh, you know… Our job is to uh, is to be a true blue asset manager. We have no desire to be a one asset class sort of asset manager. Uh, we are building a debt book as we speak. We are parallelly building a passive book because uh, you know gone are those days when, from an investor perspective, you can keep both sides isolated. Uh, from this year, I do believe uh, that it is going to be active and passive. It cannot be active or passive anymore. The data is already showing. If somebody is not recognizing the data, then then there will come a time when the person will probably realize that some amount of uh, a bus is already getting missed is what I am saying.
0: So, I was reading somewhere, uh, I think last month, even in the US, yeah, the inflows into active strategies have increased post this fall which has happened. Can you correlate that or is this something which is just a flash in the pan?
1: See, whenever they – see, the, the best friend of alpha is volatility. Yeah. Right. And, and it's these uh, instances which bring out certain inefficiencies in the market, and hence, uh, you know, the active guys really come into play in such markets. You know, see, a, a fund manager's desire is to build a portfolio on, on a good business at a good price, right? Uh, three months ago, these good businesses were not available at a good price. That was our view. Some of them are available at very good prices, right? Uh, and And then You know, the difference in the efficiencies of the market is where the active fund managers come into play. I'll give you a small example, okay. Uh, If you look at our India large cap fund, and this is a very interesting example because it's pertaining to the times now. Uh, It is completed 12 years, and it was launched in April 2008. And and at the peak of the uh, market, uh, in April 2009, the NAV came down to 54 because of the financial meltdown. Yeah. The 12-year return is 11.6. The 11-year return is
2: 18.7.
1: <laughs> A 7% CAGR difference because of 5.4. Yeah that is the alpha that is possible now so yes i do correlate to the fact that these are good times for alpha generators and and there are enough efficiencies in the market to be spotted and a good stock picker can can change the fate of the fund like a good advisor can add like you know people who came in in 2009 have got that 7% gagger. a good distributor can create a certain amount of alpha or a change in in a distributor uh, in an investors portfolio at this moment it is relevant to both a good fund manager as well as a good distributor which also means that those who were
0: promoting or saying going ahead etf or passive is the only way ahead are now having egg on their face the learning is there is never something which is always right or always wrong your portfolio should logically have a part of passive and a part of active within the equity allocation right
1: yeah, so if you look at the learning, then then earlier I come from an FD background and and so people used to invest in one company. What mutual fund K got is the diversification. Right now the learning is there are risks in the diversification also, if, if some part of the diversification gets liquid or illiquid. Now at this moment, this last year because of Eta prevailing people were saying the only way to go is passive, I have always maintained that it is a the bouquet and, and the bouquet is designed by the goal of the investor for if, if he has 10 lakhs in his bank and his requirement is 10 lakhs then he does not need to invest to start with. Exactly, right? yeah. Half the problems are there because the investor comes in with uh, nowhere, not knowing where to go. So the, the passive, active, debt, equity, mid-cap, small-cap, large-caps are a requirement which will cater to that goal. The goal is the superstar. Not the fund. The advisor who takes the investor to the goal is the superstar, not the fund. Yeah,
0: the fund was just a vehicle. Yeah, Yeah.
1: fund is a means to that, right? If you make the fund the superstar, then these kind of things can happen, right? And that is the biggest learning uh, in my investing career also. Because if you have a goal, then that is the most important. If I need ten lakh rupees, then I need ten lakh rupees. It does not matter how it comes through, right? The ten lakh is more important.
0: Yeah. Which, also means, yeah, which yeah. also means that, you know, this uh, habit amongst investors and distributors alike of chasing five star rated funds or, you know, chasing uh, star fund managers is actually helping no one. We are basically working on past returns, even though we tell people don't uh, do rear view mirror driving, we are actually doing that.
1: See, I'm telling you today by the end of this month, you will see great inflow into healthcare funds or pharma funds. (laughs) I mean, uh, that return is uh, played out, right? If if a fund in this or a category in this scenario is giving 16 17% return and consumption and banking are negative, which is a buy? if if i as a fund guy come and tell a distributor that please buy my healthcare fund the distributor should be asking me a simple question where were you one year ago
0: so i can right. confess you know i have investments in banking fund and i have investments in healthcare also and yeah. a few days back internally my mind was telling me deepak redeem the banking and let's go to healthcare thankfully uh, we told that inner voice shut up you are an advisor. You can't be doing this, Correct. and see, you continue
1: whether, being there. Uh, see, see, we clearly say to in all our presentation: uh, be an investment professional, not a professional investor. Fantastic, fantastic. You can be a professional investor for your money. Yeah. And the success of an advisor lies in the sole ability of, you know, separating the risk profile of the client from his or her own risk-taking capability, this right? This is very, very, the very client, important, yeah. Right, these are the two, you know, pillars on which advisory, uh, you know, sort of banks on, yeah. right? Now, if, if the customer is of a certain risk profile, and then like I'll give you myself as an example, my portfolio requirement is 9%, support. Actually, I need a nine, nine and a half percent. Do I need a small cap fund? I don't need a small cap fund. Exactly. Do I need a sector fund? No, I don't need a sector fund. My core fund holdings will give me that much is my, my view. Then should I get into a sector fund? Uh, that will be in discipline.
0: So, the fact that you raised this point and on Twitter, it's now a rage for CEOs and CIOs to be talking about where their monies are invested. If you, I mean, would you like to share where your investments are just for academic purposes, not to follow what you're doing?
1: No, Deepak Sarsi, I have been a very boring investor. I had some rude shocks in life. I thought I was this hotshot investor in 2000 when this mutual fund industry started. So, I got the rude shock of sector fund invest in the tech tech boom and subsequent bust where I lost practically not only mine but my entire family's money in that entire bust. Wow. The word risk came to my learning and and then the 2009 10 11 12 have been the biggest learning factors in my life where you know i was a little uh, you know my age had grown and I, I could be a little more stable in my mind than i was say when i was in my 20s uh, so two things one i learned risk in 2000 uh, in the year 2000 and i learned asset allocation or the ability to hold allocation in the 2009 sort of j curve So today, I am a 60-40 investor, 60 in equity, 40 in debt. I have lost 30% of my 60% in equity. So I'm shifting uh, that part from my debt to equity. I will make good that entire loss from, and I put a 60-day sort of frame that I believe COVID-19 is a 60-day period. That's my view. I might be wrong. But in 60 days, I'm split how much I will buy. So I'm practically buying equity every day at every fall, and I'm very sad that i missed the 23rd that was the lowest i got the day previous and the day after that 23rd was a day when we were totally on calls and this new cutoff of 12 o'clock sort of missed me okay. otherwise i would have missed not missed that day okay. but i will shift my debt part to the equity part and bring it back to 60 40 after 60 days i will start buying debt is my simple distinction see uh, by, because we come from the east there is enough gold in our houses in the form of uh, jewelry uh-huh. so i don't buy gold online or whatever but because there is inherent gold in the family and and then I am a big uh, proponent of all the uh, you know forced savings which is the PF the PPF VPF I am an NPS investor also so that part sort of is my retirement uh, part and the other goals are made out of here my son will just go uh, to uh, for his higher studies this year so thankfully and this is just by a stroke of luck that I shifted out of the market for into debt and my debt when it's sure that is liquid, nothing else I had gone out just to cater for his fees, which will, which is just round the corner, round the corner. That was just a stroke of luck.
0: Oh, I mean, thank you, thank you for sharing that, Swaroop. Uh, very few investors, especially at your level, being the CEO, are open to discussing their investments and also talking about their mistakes which they have made during their investor journey.
1: No, but that is how you learn, no? I mean, anybody who says that uh, he will learn, when you start riding a cycle, you fall, right? Yeah. So, because you fall, you know what not to do. Yeah. Right? So, so some of the losses that I have incurred are severe, severe, and I could have just left the market.
2: Yeah.
1: Right? But uh, since we are in the market, we thought let's uh, you know understand the market and then become a little better. And then uh, today, this I am uh, trust me, I am I am really enjoying this COVID nineteen period of investing. <laughs> I am very clear that I will not miss this opportunity because I've been working for 25 years, and in 25 years, I've just seen five crises. That's how few the crises are. Yeah. Okay. And every time post a crisis, the world upgrades. Yeah. Next time there'll be COVID nineteen there won't be this volatility. That is for sure. Yes. Yes. Right. So, so if there have been just five instances out of which this is my third instance as a practicing investor, I've learned from the other two and I will practice it fully this one and I'm pretty sure that I I will come out stronger in my portfolio and I will create that alpha which I've learned in two th- which was created in 2009 fall, yes. in this fall. I'm very clear about it. Yeah.
0: I can also confess uh, Uh, Sorup, two years back a lot of my portfolio was in cash. Ah, I've been waiting for this for the last two years you know. I can tell you my father used to come and tell me you being an advisor to others you tell people to invest in mutual funds why are you in cash for the last two years. Nobody can Ah. time the market but that cash a part has been successfully deploy, deployed even on March 23rd. It was wow, probably wow. lucky, It's I mean and it was a very small amount. The idea so was… No, whatever is the
1: amount. See, Dupak sir, I always tell people don't underestimate thousand rupees in the stock market.
0: Yes, yes. So, it was a strategy that on every thousand po- point fall, I will invest X percent of this money which is lying there without knowing whether this is a bottom, whether it will fall further or not. Correct. On every so thousand I, balls I have been this, investing
1: Yeah. Just to put things in perspective, thousand rupees in, in the large cap and I'm talking about large cap, which is supposedly in a lot of people's mind does not make money anymore. In eleven in twelve years is thirty eight thousand rupees, but thousand rupees of in two thousand nine is sixty eight thousand rupees. So thousand rupees. Mm, wow, wow, wow. Really, really, so wow. so don't underestimate even thousand rupees in the market. Every mm. money in the market is good.
0: Which also goes to prove that if your goal is not near, even though your portfolio is running losses, do not fiddle with it, do not play with it, do not try to time the market thinking I'll move to debt and then when the market falls, I will take it and put it into equity. You can't, nobody can, nobody knows.
1: See, uh, an honest confession on this Deepak sir is why I stopped doing all that is just when we, due to my so-called expert knowledge, the day I redeem, the market changes the next day. That has also been a huge realization. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, that is the a... market is smarter than me and I've just left the market to the market behavior. I don't get into market behavior anymore. The un- only controllable is my asset allocation and I keep it at that. That
0: is an experience every investor needs to go through. I'll tell you the day 9-11 happened. In the US. The next day, when the stock market opened, I sold a part of my blue chip holdings, which I had, thinking this is the end of the world. Now, what will happen from tomorrow? Uh, the next day, the market turned. The next day after that day, the market turned. Wow. So, this wow, happens with, that, with yeah. everybody. This is a learning <laughs> which happens with everybody. You touched upon it, gold and you said that you are from the East, and somehow families from the East and across India are reasonably invested in gold. That is something which has been taught to us, ingrained to us by our grandmothers, our mothers and our wives carry forward that uh, learning. I remember telling my wife two years ago, why are you buying gold? Buy a mutual fund, your gold investments are 6%, mutual fund investments are 12% plus. The only reply she kept on giving me every time I told her this, She said, I cannot wear the statement of account on my neck when I go to the park. I will wear my necklace. I will wear my bangles. Do what you are doing. Let me do what I am doing with my money.
1: And please understand that in days of every phone carrying a a, a camera that photograph is also taken. So how can you repeat that gold in the next time you will be photographed. (laughs) That's a very serious psychology (laughs) which we have to understand.
0: So you know our wives, our mothers actually have done a favor to us by even at the expense of you know angering us or sometimes not listening but to what deeper,
1: we are doing. Sir, yeah. It is the best form of investment strategy. Let's face it. Yeah. Our financial advisors of the past has have given us an, one SIP date in a year for gold buying. Yes. That is just round the corner. Yeah. Every year on Akshay Tritya, yeah. you are supposed to buy gold. That is the SIP day. Yeah. And it's a commodity, right? It, the price of that commodity would be highest on the demand day. Invariably, between you and me, Akshay Tritya would be the most expensive there to buy gold but do people care they don't they just go and buy and when you bought this over eight nine generations and that is a buy and hold strategy of a good asset you've created wealth right and you put that to any good asset class you're going to make money
0: yeah so the fact that we are talking about gold does mirey asset have any view on gold
1: no, we don't have any any view on gold. I mean, somewhere uh, we, we will stick to the traditional sort of investing. We don't have plans for a gold fund at all.
0: Okay. Uh, that being said, with what is happening to the world now, you know, we are just yep. now living through a black swan event. Everybody in the last one, one and a half year, you know, whenever we used to talk about markets, used to say that only a black swan event can derail this bull market which was happening in equity. In fact, there was a bull market in almost every asset class. All those who are invested in gold, luckily most Indians are invested in gold, but they never factor the valuations of their gold in their overall portfolio, you know, in the scheme of things. It is something which has always been there in the locker. But... Shouldn't gold be a part of most investors' portfolio in addition to the what we have is jewelry or I think that is done, we do not need to bother?
1: No, it's person to person. I do agree gold is an asset class which, which uh, do, should find a place in the allocation. I'm just saying that traditionally since we, we are a little skewed towards gold buying as a process, that amount is slightly more than what it should be already, right? Yeah. So, hence, on my personal portfolio, I don't see the need to buy them on the... But if I didn't have that much of gold or whatever, I'm not saying I have a lot of gold, but in percentage terms, it is there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, so, then I don't see the need. But I do agree that gold should... It is an asset class which should be owned and, and if it's owned at a country level and the gold reserves define the uh, you know stability of a national economy, then why shouldn't it percolate down to an individual level also? Yeah. So, one
0: part was that. The other part is something which is a buzzword nowadays is international investing do you have yeah. any views on investing internationally let's say in the s&p or the nasdaq or in a european fund or probably an asia fund china fund any views on that
1: yeah i mean uh, see it is the same question of active versus passive right mm-hmm. Today, if you look at uh, some of the people who did not take to active in uh, passive investing, uh, would already be thinking, should I have done it or shouldn't I have done it? It's the same thing. The global diversification is evolving as an investor. Uh, I mean, uh, I am. Uh, if I were younger, I would have started. But at this moment, my goals are in a level where, at a personal level, I, I hope India will carry me through. But uh, yeah, there's no harm in taking the global thing, especially when, you know, when the globe is now aligned, it's not that uh, you will be away from the rest of the world or isolated from the rest of the world with events like this. So, then now some part of it does make sense uh, into investing globally. I, I would definitely agree on that. Okay. But then it's part of that framework of the financial plan or the goal and, and uh, should, if it forms a part, then one should. Why not?
0: Yeah, which also uh, goes on to again emphasize asset allocation, do not invest just because it is the fad, just because a fund is being launched, just because everybody is discussing about it, go and invest in it. If it fits in your scheme of things, if it makes sense for you, if you think you have a child who will go abroad and study and there will be expenses in US dollars, it makes sense to have some part of your investments in a US dollar denominated. Investment, even though you are investing it in Indian rupees, the underlying is still the US dollar investment, right?
1: Finally, you know, the, the buzzword is the difference between want and need. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, invariably, sellers will uh, base themselves on the fact that people buy what they want and not what they need.
2: Yeah.
1: If, if the buyers turn it around to the sellers and say, I will buy only what I need, a lot can change. So, the need is most important. Realization of need is what is this whole thing of successful investing. If you don't need something, there is no need. Like, if you are telling us that should you be in gold, I am not saying gold is bad. But we don't believe in uh, building a gold fund. There is nothing wrong with that statement. It's just that uh, we don't we don't think that's our area of business, as clear as that.
0: Okay. Once. And finally, before we sign off, the fact that we are talking to a CEO of a mutual fund is the, do you have an official view on equities going ahead? I know it doesn't make a difference whether a CEO or even fund manager says what's going ahead because finally the idea is nobody knows, but a broad idea, especially for investors who are sitting on losses, even in large cap investments, even in index investments, what do you think is the way ahead?
1: And this I will reflect on my learnings in 2008-9. Please understand the losses then were bigger than what the losses are now. Yeah. Let's, let's face it yeah. right yeah. and and uh, you know people who looked at it rationally and in 2008 9 let me tell you 60% of industry SIPs had stopped because of lack of experience of lack of risk taking ability and that is where investors have graduated today uh, whether they are adding money or not I do not know nobody is leaving the market and that itself is half the battle won in the psychology of or, or maturity of the investor SIPs though there is a lot of talk let me tell you at sir. there is no stoppage of SIP. Our SIP book this month will also add. Fantastic, right? fantastic. Our, yeah. our net sales this month will also be as good as last month. Wow. In a truncated environment. Wow. We are hoping it will be a little higher. We feel it could be a little higher. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm just keeping my fingers crossed. So that is the biggest change that has happened in the behavior of investors. And a lot of credit for that has to go to the advisors who worked and the distributors who have worked relentlessly on this. Right? All of us have graduated. All of us have learned to accept the fact that equity is a growth asset. Right? But the fact that we need to reassure ourselves or reaffirm ourselves and this is not an emotion is the fact that, you know, this is a medical emergency. This is not an economic emergency. When there is an economic emergency, a lot of things change. Yes, this will have an impact and the impact will take some time to play out. (laughs) As a house, we have never commented whether it will be weak V-curve or a flat curve or that we cannot predict. What we can predict is the 50 companies we own are good companies, which will remain good post-COVID-19 also. And some of those companies are available at some very good prices at this moment. And hence, we find it very opportune to buy into these companies at this moment. At this moment, we have stuck our neck out on two things. We believe if one has 100 rupees to come to equity, 70 rupees should come to the large cap side of the market because these large companies are available at some good prices and and some of these prices, according to us, should not be missed. The other part which I'd like to highlight to all distributors, and this is a reflection, people can disagree with me, I know I get a lot of flack when I make this statement, is when we have gone into this habit of this SIP sort of investing somewhere our risk taking ability to make lump sum purchase diminishes over a period of time yes think about it a bit these are times for lump sum purchases and and such times in my life has come only 5 times in 25 years that's a realization which is very rational and unemotional so, because we've been saying oh, SIP, SIP, SIP is good, I'm not saying SIP is not good. But if that is the only way to invest, if I had a lack of rupees and I'm participating in 10,000 rupees, we're probably missing that opportunity. Again, if somewhere within the asset allocation space, like I've said, if I've lost 30% of my equity, I am putting back my 30% from my own cash. Right? Yeah. And if that, that can happen only through lump sum, cannot happen through SIPs. Yeah. And then that's the second realization which one must have is these are times for lump sum and these are times when the risk of investing become very less. So, one has to become a little fearless and look at this opportunity because it's a medical one. And as I speak, I come from, our head office is from South Korea, work has not stopped a single day in South Korea in spite of them being affected. Wow. Their life is going on as usual. So, some of the countries... Countries are getting out of COVID-19, right? Uh, and then sooner or later, economy will take over everything, and we will see that you know life will go on. And in that day, if you have not invested today, there could be a possibility of a miss out. Is my only submission. Mm-hmm. And I know I am not broadly wrong on what I've said now.
0: <laughs> so I mean, this has really, really this this last. Uh explanation of yours is really eye-opening. So all those distributors and investors who are listening to this Please take note of what he said. And finally, before we close this, there is this one question which you have answered probably a thousand times, but <laughs> I cannot <laughs> not have this in this discussion. When are you opening emerging blue chip again? <laughs>
1: <laughs> see, Deepak, sir, see, in 2016, we closed the fund. We closed the fund with the rationale that, you know, funds should be allowed to grow at a certain pace, especially when you go into stocks below 150. in in the lineup. The liquidity is an issue in the market which still remains. Let's look at it. I mean, this 30% fall or 30-35% fall in the market is due to a net figure of 4 or 4.5 billion, which is some 35-40,000 crores. This 30-40,000 crores of uh, rupees is caused this kind of havoc in the market. That is how thin the market has become. Though the fund looks close to people, the fund is accepting SIP and the SIP book in that fund is fairly Decent, uh, and and so the inflow in the fund remains, and and uh, see, we closed it at 2,000 crores. Today, it, it before COVID, it was a 10,000 crore fund with 50-50. The mid-cap component itself was 5,000. Right. So uh, we would. Restrict continue uh, in that same process because, uh, frankly, because, sir, our and don't take me otherwise when I say this our loyalties lie only to our existing investors and, and uh, our prime responsibility, or I can say our only responsibility is to safeguard their interest. And we feel in keeping the flow at its current level, is, is keeping their interests in mind. And and uh, it's been four years since we've done that. And the fund performance is there for you in that backdrop of that market. And, and it's uh, I'm not saying that that's a given or anything, but it does aid the fund manager and we will do everything in our possibilities and capabilities to retain that ability of ours, that is our simple submission.
0: Swarup, it has been a pleasure talking to you, I would like to thank you again for accepting my invite to come on this show, looking forward to more interactions again, I'm sure all those who are listening to this have learned a lot, you know, experience of a person who has seen five different market cycles over the 25 years, he's been in the markets the mistakes he made, the learnings, how he has positioned his portfolio, SIP versus lump sum, asset classes, asset allocation, international diversification. Coming from a CEO of a mutual fund, having such a frank discussion. Thank you, Swaroop, for being here. Looking forward to seeing you again on this show in some time. Thank you so much, Swaroop. No, thank you Thank you so much for having
2: me. Wish you all the best, Deepak, sir.